As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Happy New Year and welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Great 2021, I hope, for Matt Elliott, former Leicester City captain and my co-host. How are you doing, Matt? I'm OK, Rob. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully it's an improvement for everyone <laughs> going into the new year, isn't it? But uh, yeah, th- things looking positive on a football front. And for everybody else, let's hope things improve, shall we? Yeah, it's not been the greatest of starts in terms of COVID, but football carries on and I'm thankful that it is because it's such a, a piece of escapism and a bit of release for everybody during these dark times. It wasn't so bad being in lockdown when the summer the sun was shining, you could sit in your garden, but in the depths of winter, yeah. it's a different prospect altogether. But we've still got football, Matt, and we've still got plenty to discuss. And on this week's show, we'll reflect on Leicester City's form over Christmas and the new year, the move to the new training ground, the form of Harvey Barnes and James Madison. We'll have a look at the transfer window and it looks like more outgoings and incomings. And then we'll finish with a little reflection on the FA Cup. You can sign up to The Athletic for just £3.99 a month for the first six months and enjoy unrivaled coverage of your club, including Leicester City, in 2021 as well as ad-free podcasts via the app. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Pod. Now, Matt, let's kick off. I know you've been working over Christmas, the same as me, covering Leicester City. It, it doesn't feel it like it's been as busy as it has been in previous festive periods, but the, the game still came thick and fast, and it was a bit of a, a, an unbeaten festive period for Leicester City. Two draws and a victory away at Newcastle. What have you made of it? Well, overall, very positive, isn't it? I think, as you say there, unbeaten um, over, well, four-game period, really. I think if, if you include the the Tottenham <laughs> Tottenham game in, in the run-up and um, two wins, two draws, uh, not too much to complain about. I mean, it's always a busy time of year, isn't it? But I, I get, get your point. I think it was the break, isn't it, between the, the 28th and the 3rd, um, what was it? The Crystal Palace and the Newcastle games. Yeah. Unusually long span in between those two games <laughs> off the back of a condensed double fixture and 26 to the 28th and head scratching a little bit on that one, but uh, it's done now but, and they've come through it relatively unscathed. But I mean, the, listen, it, 
you've got to be happy with uh, coming through undefeated. But at the same time, you know, when you look at look back on it, and I know you can be guilty of, of wanting or expecting too much, but I, th I think they could have and should have won the, the Crystal Palace game if they had. Not that it's massively relevant, but it's always a nice uh, injection of confidence, isn't it? They'd be sitting top of the league, believe it or not. <laughs> By okay, albeit with a, with a game more than Man United, but the way the results have panned out for other teams over the festive period, it could have been even better. But I suppose third place after 17 games in the Premier League is no mean feat, is it? Well, absolutely. I mean, the, uh, the the way you can reflect on those two draws, I mean, coming from behind twice against Man United, who were previously unbeaten on the road, or 100% record on the road up until that day. Um, that, that He came away from the King Pass Stadium thinking that was a great result for them, considering uh, the way the game went, for them to keep fighting back uh, to get in another point from that. But then to go to Palace and Kletchi and Nacho missing that penalty, and there was a few other chances that went begging as well. Seven changes to re freshen the side up. Um, but I think Brendan's decision to make so many changes has probably been borne out by the performance at, at Newcastle. I mean, it was pretty dominant, wasn't it? I, d I didn't see any positivity, really, uh, from Steve Bruce's side. They no. didn't really stretch Leicester in any way. I thought Tielemans was imperious. Again, Madison. We're going to talk about Madison and Harvey Barnes because uh, I think both of them have had a decent Christmas period, especially Barnes scoring in back-to-back -back games, those games against United and, and then Palace. And, and Madison is looks like he's... Although there was a little concern about his knee at one stage in the Newcastle game, but he seems to be yeah. in decent form as well. There are so many positives about Leicester at the moment, aren't there? And individuals that influence games and you know, ever increasingly. And I think when you look at look at it overall, yeah, that, that's the, that's probably the most encouraging feature because we, we all know about the over-reliance on Jamie Vardy to produce the goals. Um, but you know, it, that's being shared around a little bit now, isn't it? Jamie's still playing his part, of course. But... You just mentioned that the players there, you know, Barnes is obviously contributing, Madison is, Tillemans, those three in particular. Um, there's more input required from other players. You know, the likes of all Brighton, you could say Perez pinches a goal occasionally, but, you know, Kalecki and Acho ups his game when he's got opportunities. So there's room for improvement for sure, but, but to me, they seem to be developing and progressing all the time. You know, there's a hunger within this team uh, to be as good as they can be. And I think they probably sort of rude the fact that they let things slip a little bit um, back in the last campaign. And I think that was a little bit of a mentality thing. And they'll be looking to improve on that this time round. And I think they've got the capability. But yeah, it, listen, it, it, the results, Man United in particular, I think, because... I, I thought, if, if I'm totally honest, Man United had the, the clearer opportunities. Um, they looked a little bit more efficient in the areas that really mattered in that game. And Leicester have done very well to come out of it on level terms. Because as everyone's seen now, with the league standings, Man United are not quite as bad a team as, as a lot of people are trying to suggest. Uh, yeah, the, it would start, really, when you look back. The, the quality they possess, is, you know, even if they're not well-structured, they're still going to be... a a formidable outfit but uh anyway that, that's maybe talk for another day but yeah i just thought the crystal palace game in particular if, if you're going to be ruthless about it and you're going to be sort of you know cold-blooded um professionals and you know and, and make that step up from last season games like that need to be won really but 
I do take your point. Lots of changes were made and Leicester was still by far the better side. I mean, I don't think you're going to find a worse before, too many worse performances from a home side in the first 45 minutes of that, of that fixture. Yeah, I thought Leicester got one. They would probably got three or four. And that's just in the first 45 minutes. But uh, Kalecci, in actual, was rather slovenly, really. Uh, a missed opportunity for him to boost his confidence and obviously for Leicester to take the lead. You know, when you're in that position, penalty take, OK, fair enough. You know, put his hand up. Give yourself the best opportunity possible of scoring. Don't try and be a little bit clever and a little bit fancy. It's get a good strike on the ball. Pick your spot. And nine times out of ten, that that will be more than enough, or even more on the odds odds front. And it backfired, and I think it knocked his confidence. And he missed an opportunity not long after, didn't he? But uh, all said and done, not a bad result. But it could have been that much better. You know, when I mean, you look at the table and a little bit on the stats. I mean, scored seven more goals than Manchester City this season already. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought that in the league? And uh, and considered the same amount of goals as Liverpool. That, with those sort of stats flying around, you expect them to be right up the top end of the Premier League, and that's where they justifiably sit. Well, I've done a piece on Harvey Barnes that's on the Athletic website now, looking at his form over the Christmas period, um, and JJ James Justin, another one that's played pretty much every minute over the festive period. Started those games uh, in two games in three days, but another one who's got to give him credit because he did it again last year in a similar circumstances. And has just signed a new contract at the city, Johnny Evans. Uh, just give it, just assess Johnny Evans' form for us, and how important now is he to, to Leicester City? Because they're getting their players back now for fitness. Siunsu's come back. Ricardo's probably the only one that just a, a fraction away still. But uh, he's, Brendan Rodgers has got all his options, and he's got a lot to think about defensively. But Johnny Evans has got to be the first name on the team sheet, hasn't he? He's certainly one of them, isn't he? I mean, th- those three certainly a centre back. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. And I'll take your point. To be fair, the, the number of uh, of players that sort of pick themselves, if you like, is increasing. <laughs> Harvey Barnes is pretty much a nailed on starter. So is Madison. So is Till- Tillman. So is Ndidi. Um, it, there's a little bit of, you know, sort of room for discussion only on a couple of positions, really. Even when everyone's fit, it's, you know, which is, it bodes very well, doesn't it? But with Johnny Evans... Listen, lots lots has been said about him already. It, it was a little bit of a, a no-brainer, I think, for, for both parties. Johnny's obviously happy. Uh, 33 years of age. There wasn't his birthday the other day, wasn't it? And he's thinking, yeah, nice nice couple of years. I, I suppose there he might have requested a three-year, but that doesn't happen too often these days. Or the, looking back at my career, I've only got a four-year, four-year contract when I was 32. But... Um, <laughs> Times have changed, that's for sure. You're doing well to get more than more than a year at that age, aren't you, these days? Johnny's got the two. It suits the club. It suits the player. It, it, it's like you say, Rob, it's Johnny Evans and A and other, isn't it? And either of the A and others are not too bad. <laughs> well, let's discuss that, Matt, because I'm sure that's what the fans are asking, uh, or certainly wondering. When Ricardo Pereira's back, the form of James Justin and Timothy Castagna, how does that shape up? And also, now Siunso is back, if he plays a back four, who partners Evans? Is it Fafana, because he's been in great form, or is it Siunso? He's got some great uh, selection issues to, to consider. Exactly. I mean, he'll have to play a back six, wouldn't he, to fit them all in? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the same James Justin, who... How can he not be picked? You know, with the amount of games coming up, especially with Europa League, there's going to be changes in the team selection. 
So that sort of gives the manager a bit of a cop out, doesn't it? Um, in a, in a positive way. But if you have to go and nail down and make a statement with your, you know, your premier first eleven, he's got some decisions to make, hasn't he? Um, I don't know. I, I suppose again, Johnny Evans proven his worth there. I mean, unbelievably good players that they are, Sancho and Fafana. And I'm sure they could equip themselves well uh, alongside each other. But at the moment, there's still a little bit of that learning process for both of them. In an ideal world, you've got Johnny's steady head alongside one of them. The two of them together could be magnificent. It, it, it could be chaotic as well because they're quite sort of uh, individualistic players, aren't they, for, for centre-halves? But yeah. you know, a little bit, the communication could be a little bit of an issue, possibly, dare I say. Um, I might be doing both players an injustice there, but um, yeah, what what I mean, what mouthwatering prospect they are you know, down the line. Let's say in a year, year and a half or whatever, fingers crossed, all three centre halves are still at the club. But what a fearsome proposition for Fana and Soyuncu are together. Oh, absolutely. But I think you're right at this stage. The communication would be an issue. Neither of them are particularly great at English at the moment. Um, they're still learning English. Johnny Evans, though, says that you don't really need to talk that much. I don't know if you agree with that, Matt, from your day. But then again, you can't shut you and Jerry and, and Stevie Walsh <laughs> up, can you? So, um, well, I mean, communication was never that. an issue for you guys. But Johnny says that you don't really need to do a lot of talking. You understand the game. You can make yourself understood. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, if Johnny says that, then... Uh... Yeah, you know, go go along with it. Personally, I think communication certainly when, when I was around, yeah, was it's imperative. Uh, perhaps he means your the, the development of of the language is, you know, doesn't need to be overly extensive because a lot of it's repetition. Really, it's saying similar things over and over again, but it, it's focusing the mind. It's giving that information because sometimes, you know, it's, for instance, without going too much detail, you know, for farmers sort of opened himself up uh, towards James Justin on the right, you know, ball in the channel. Um, if there's a run from his blind side, Johnny needs, just needs to drop a, a little word in, didn't it? You know, come and left shoulder. It, it, it's, it's pretty basic stuff, but it needs to be timely um, and it needs to be clear and, and concise. And, you know, that, that, that's pretty much it, really. There's, you can't talk someone properly through the game. You just give little bits of assistance and info. So I'm sure they can learn those basics, yeah. But you don't have to be a chatterbox to be a centre-half, put it that way, although it doesn't do you any harm. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The first time I interviewed Neymar, he was 14. He was pretty much famous approaching household name status before he'd even played for the Santos first team. Barca should have been better prepared. They really did not have a contingency plan for if Neymar were to leave. You have the French president, Emmanuel Macron, calling it really good news on the day. Without selling Coutinho for that amount of money, Liverpool's recent history would be very, very different. But then again, Neymar changed the whole dynamic. 
I'm Adam Leventhal, and this is Beyond the Headline, Neymar, the transfer that changed the world. Over the next three episodes, we will explore Neymar's 222 million euro move from Barcelona to Paris Saint-Germain, a transfer that changed the game not only because it more than doubled the world transfer record, but explain how the ripple effects made it arguably the most significant transfer in the history of the game. That's Beyond the Headline, available wherever you get your podcasts or get it ad-free via the Athletic app. Well, over Christmas as well, we saw the opening of the new state-of-the-art training ground. It's said to be one of the best in world football. Uh, £100 million has been invested into it. It looks impressive. We haven't been able to go down and have a, a detailed look at it. We've only been able to see what's been uh, published online um, and what the club has sent us. But uh, my word, it looks fantastic. I can't wait to get down there and do a, a press conference when everything starts yeah. to, to ease off a little bit in terms of um, the COVID. But I think the plan is that obviously all the, the medical um, facilities they've got down there will help keep the players fit and available, which is going to be absolutely key in the second half of this season, but also attracting future signings as well. Because if you're a player, that's your office, isn't it? That training ground, that's where you are five days of the week. The stadium is where you are on a Saturday afternoon, where well, it used to be a Saturday afternoon. It's God knows whenever they <laughs> want to play these days. Um, but it, it look, does look impressive, doesn't it, Matt? It's just m- more evidence of, of the club going in the right direction, trying to sort of build its profile if you like, and uh, you know, while this in the training ground, it, it, it is unbelievable how the club has moved on through the years. Um, you know, Beaver Drive had, had been revamped and you know restructured not so long ago, and pretty impressive in itself. But they've gone a couple of steps above that, haven't they? With the with the new training ground, I haven't actually been there myself either yet. Looking forward to that and. I'm looking forward to a little round of golf. There's a mini golf course yeah. there as well, Rob, isn't There's there? There's nine holes, nine holes down there. Yeah. Nine holes, that many? Yeah. Oh, that'll keep oh, me it's occupied. A bit, it's, a, yeah. it's a big place. About time I had a little wander up there then, although uh, obviously with the restrictions, not going to be easy, is it? But <laughs> I don't think they'll let uh, you in at the moment. No, no, no. That's fine. I'll jump over the back wall maybe. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, frustrating. But yeah, it's, I, I think it's more about, I think as players, when you say about it attracts um, you know, I don't know, bigger name players, etc. For, for me, it, that wouldn't be too much of an issue. But I think, you know, in terms of every training ground in the Premier League is decent enough these days. I'm sure it would be about other factors will come into play. But I think, you know, it is part of the thinking. But it's also, it's just, it raises the general profile, doesn't it, of the club. It's got this reputation you know, the, hopefully the king power is going to be extended as well. And, you know, talk about Leicester being a genuine big club. It takes time to do that. Um, you know, in comparison to the, dare I say, the traditional big six or big four, whichever way you look at it. But, you know, it takes a time to get to that level. But that's what Leicester are aspiring to do. And I think, uh, and th- there will be benefits, probably medical as much as anything. In terms of the new facilities, like you say, you know, the, the quality of the surface will prevent uh, unnecessary little niggles and injuries. And uh, yeah, what a place to go and ply your trade, isn't it? Um, very nice indeed. I can't say that I'm not jealous, but uh, good luck to the lads on that one. Yeah. What, what, what a place situated quite nicely on the motorway. You know, the, the lads can live even further away these days and still travel down there in time. 
Yeah, well, I understand some of the players were doing recovery sessions between games in the uh, new swimming pool that's on the site as well. So uh, it's all mod cons down there. Now, we talked about it being uh, a facility which will help them attract new signings in the future. And I do mean in the future because we're into a transfer window now. From what we understand, Leicester are not looking to bring anybody in the situation with COVID, the expense of the new training ground, no fans, no match day revenue. It is having an impact on Premier League clubs. Um, they, from what we understand as well, football will carry on during the, the current lockdown, but it still be you know a long time before fans are back in, and that is having a, an impact on finances. So we don't think that Leicester, unless something really dramatic, never say never, but unless something really tempting comes along, I can't see them adding to their squad. Uh, they think they've got a big enough and a strong enough squad to see out the rest of the season, but there will be some departures, and one of them that we're expecting. A little bit surprisingly, I suppose, is, well, I don't know if you're surprised by this, Hamza Chowdhury, uh, possibly going out on loan for the second half of the season. He's, he's fallen down the pecking order and Danny Amate's return has given them some more options in midfield. But Papi Mendy and Wilfred Ndidi seem to have uh, the that sort of position, that holding midfield position nailed down. Um, are you surprised at that? Do you think that's a good move to get let Hamza go out and get some game time? Yeah, I wouldn't take it as a negative, really, for Hamza. Um, he's he's more benefited by going and getting regular games, I feel, rather than just sitting on the periphery, getting the odd run out. Probably his chances, as it, or hopefully, the latter stages of the Europa League, or you go deeper into that competition, it's going to be less rotation just for the sake of rotation, I think. Um you know, Brendan Rodgers has spread the load in the first part of the campaign, but it's going to be as strong a team as possible. I would imagine in the knockout stages, uh, Hamza might not feature too regularly. I think overall it makes sense. You know, it might be a tinge of disappointment for, for Chowdhury. There's more point Chowdhury going on loan than Daniel Lamarty, for instance, isn't there? Um, people might think, well, it's a long shot Lamarty would be involved. But he has showed... His flexibility, isn't he? You know, his utility in different positions, and uh, you know that that's obviously worked as a plus for him. But no, I think Hamza's best served. I mean, especially if he goes to another Premier League club, then it helps again develop his reputation. Uh, he can come back with his reputation enhanced. But as you say, Mendy and and Didi, they're the more experienced, aren't they? The more trusted, shall we say? Um, at this stage of their careers. And then you've got midfield options anyway. You've got Pratt, you've got Madison in there as well, haven't you? Tillemans, of course. <sighs> Sign of the times, isn't it? It's tough at the top. But, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think overall, yeah, Hamza could just go and get, get a real run of games. Well, you're right to pick out Marty there because I think his, uh, his flexibility, the fact that he can play fullback, he's played centre-back, he's played uh, part of a back three. He, we've seen in the past he can play centre midfield. His versatility, I think, has, has facilitated the decision to allow Hamster to go out with West Bromwich Albion uh, currently believed to be the favourites to get up. But there's a number of clubs that are interested in taking Hamza. Newcastle reportedly, Rob. Yeah, but Steve Bruce rubbished that after the game. He said uh, it was news to him, but he might have just been playing his cards close to his chest on that one. Yeah. We'll see. They could certainly do with Hamza. Mildly controversial, wouldn't it? After it would his, be uh... amusing after his <laughs> comments about Hamza after that game last year when he with Matt Ritchie. Uh, so we'll see how that transpires. There has been other movement already 
in the transfer window. Matty James, who was out on loan at Barsley, uh, played 15 games for him, which is great to see after his long, long injury woes uh, to get back out on the pitch and play. And apparently he's played superbly. I mean, they've risen up the championship table with him in midfield. The fans love him. There was an option for them to, to get the deal done for the second half of the season, but they haven't done it for some reason. Barsley have stuck... Uh, delayed too much and Coventry have stole a march on them now and we're expecting Matty to be confirmed to be going to Coventry City uh, for the second half of the uh, of the season. He must be absolutely loving that because I, I can't remember a player who struggled for as long as Matty has you know, with injuries, varied injuries and oh, at a time when Leicester were doing unbelievably well. You know, he, was, he was on the the edges, wasn't he, you know, when they won the actual Premier League itself. And, you know, there hasn't been a sort of a tinge or a hint of resentment from him. He just knuckles down, eternally frustrated. And to see him getting a run of games now, I, you know, I think everyone was absolutely delighted for him because he, he seems, you know, a real genuine lad as well. Very talented, deserves to get some, some game time under his belt and hopefully... That will be able to continue, as I say, with uh, with the loan move to, to Coventry, and who knows? You never know. He could could be making a fist of things in terms of a challenge back at Leicester next next year. Unlikely at times uh, that that has seemed, but uh, it couldn't have happened to a to a better professional, could it? Because the way he's stuck at it is needs to be applauded. Oh, absolutely. He deserves some good luck. He's the unluckiest footballer I've ever come across. And one of the nicest as well that I've ever yeah. interviewed. He's so down to earth and such a nice level-headed lad. It'd be great if some something positive happened to him in the end of, towards the end of his career. Now, cause he's 29, so he hasn't got much time to lose now. And uh, hopefully go to Coventry, get some more game time. And who knows in terms of Leicester, but I think there might be an option there for him in, in the future in the Championship as well. Um, but you're right. When we talk about... Where he was in the pecking order at Leicester City, he was up there with Esteban Cambiasso under Nigel Pearson as the first choice centre backs ahead of Danny Drinkwater and uh, Andy King, and until he injured his knee uh, against Southampton towards the end of the Great Escape season. So, you know, it's been tragic what's happened to him since then. But best of luck to Matty. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There's another one, though, that we're going to discuss. Andy King, the legend, the League One Championship and Premier League winner. <laughs> we're Leicester City. Um, his contract ran out, but he's been training with the club ever since. Uh, he's had a few offers, but they haven't really been worked out for him. Uh, but Leuven, he's gone to uh, Leicester's uh, sister club, Leuven, in Belgium, who are riding high in their Belgium top flight, having got promoted last season. They're sixth at the moment. He brings a wealth of experience and it'll be an interesting little experience for him as well, going and playing in a foreign country, a different style of football as well in Leuven. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? I've seen a few quotes attached to 
to Andy King, and he, he's delighted to get the opportunity, new experience, as you say. And it makes sense to me. I think a uh, difficult one for him, you know, his, his connection with Leicester City and all the success that he's had and, you know, culminating with the Premier League win. Um, you know, we know his history, winning the Championship League One. And, you know, he's, he's a genuine legend at the club and it must be hard to sort of, I don't know, not tear yourself away, but, you know, he's got to go and make the change. And I think he's doing it begrudgingly. And I think this is probably his best way out. That's a, the, perhaps the feeling that I get, certainly, because he's still got that little bit of an attachment to Leicester City there, hasn't he? You know, with it being sister club, etc. And it all just fits nicely, doesn't it? At the stage of his career, it's probably, you know, well, it's definitely a level, a standard that he's capable of performing at and making an impact. But he, he can put his experiences to good use with, with the other foreign players at there at the club. They'll, they'll listen to him. He's a, you know, he's a, an experienced international. He's, he's won the Premier League. He's, he's done this, he's done that. So he's going to provide a boost for the club. And on top of that, you know, still that association with Leicester City. And as I think, you know, Rob, you've been out there. I haven't had the, the fortune to, to do so, but it's a, it's a beautiful place, isn't it? A beautiful part oh, it is of, of the yeah. country, yeah. And uh, you know, it's just a, just a lovely fit, isn't it? I think at, at, at Andy's stage of his career, the perfect move away from home, but not too far, where you feel detached. And um, okay, in these times, you feel detached wherever you are. But I mean, uh, as things hopefully improve, he'll be able to. He's not too far from home, and. Yeah, wonderful experience. Good luck to him all round. He deserves it. Well, he's won many a trophy with um, Leicester City, but the one trophy he hasn't won, and no Leicester City player has won, is the FA <laughs> Cup. And we're at the FA Cup weekend. Every time we get to third round, uh, we always think, um, is this going to be Leicester City's season? Are they going to finally complete the set? Can they go all the way to Wembley, even though... It's unlikely the fans will be in Wembley to share the moment if they do. The FA Cup, it's not been kind to Leicester City, has it, Matt? What was it like in your day when you were playing? What was the FA Cup like then? Yeah, pretty miserable experiences that I reflect upon myself, really, <laughs> unfortunately. But um, the, the, the biggest positive, actually two instances with me in, in my time at Leicester, um, and this is really sort of, Clutching at straws a little bit. We drew away to Hereford <laughs> with a full strength team. Hereford wow. were then in, I think, yeah, I think they were in what is now League Two. Did we they parade there. the ball around their stadium? Yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah, I remember oh. that. I remember, I remember that more than the game because the, the game was a, a dull affair to say the least. But speaking about it in the week, actually, we had Tony Cotley and Emil Heskey up front and we couldn't score a goal, nil nil. And I said to Tony, listen, we've done our part at the back, kept the clean sheet. You two legends of the game can't produce. And then even in the home fixture, in the replay, I think myself and Muzzy scored. And uh, even then had to do it for TC and Heskey. But um, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't an overly glamorous result. But I remember that was that was in 2000, that was. And uh, our only other notable achievement, I think, was we drew 0-0 at Highbury against that magnificent Arsenal team. And then we drew nil-nil at home in the week. Um, you know, the likes of Vieira and Petit and all, all, 
all those players. And then we beat them in a, in a penalty shootout. That was 2000 as well. That was the year that we won the Worthington Cup. Um, but that's our claim to fame, really, in the FA Cup. Um, the, the big, dark, looming figure in the back of my mind is the quarterfinal against Wickham Wanderers, of yeah. course, isn't it? With Roy Essendo got in between me and Tags. More Tags than me, I have to say. <laughs> got that header, didn't he? And Laurie Sanchez running up and down the tunnel. And, uh, you know, what was a teletext striker, wasn't he? And how we let that one slip, I don't know. Oh, I mean, what was that like, the mood after that game? I mean, because obviously you were on a bad run as well, weren't you? I, I think we had not too bad a run at that stage, although I might be wrong. I know after that, our form just capitulated and that, that was sort of, yeah, that was not the final nail, but it, it, was, it was confirmation that things really weren't going well. Peter Taylor was the manager at the time and it, it was just, just becoming apparent, really, that, Thing weren't, things weren't as they could be, shall we say. And, uh, yeah, to go and lose that was oh, eternally frustrating, really, Rob. You know, as you've just touched upon, Leicester City players don't get too many opportunities to to succeed in the FA Cup. And, uh, yeah, we, we would have been the prospect of Liverpool in the semi-final, uh, and Emil Heskey Liverpool. Uh, that would have been interesting because we'd actually done all right against them earlier in the season, I think. And um, But we'll never know. We'll never know, will we? For Roy Essendo was the man on that occasion. And uh, we've only got ourselves to blame, really. We let it slip and we weren't good enough. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's the tell of the tale, isn't it, with, uh, with Leicester City in general? Was it three cup final appearances that have all gone negatively? But... Uh, a time for change. A time for change would be nice. Although, I think the Europa Challenge may count against Leicester. Really, I think uh, I think there'll be a lot of change at the weekend. Or I think they'll they'll have more enough to cope with things. But I think overall, it probably won't be their main focus of events. No, I can imagine there will be changes. There were changes uh, for the Brentford game uh, last season uh, as well. But Bre Brendan does place an emphasis on the Cups. He wants yeah. Cup success. And I, I know they've got the Europa League to, to contend with, and that would that would be amazing if they could go all the way in that. Uh, but And obviously the league, they're going well again in the league, chasing a, a Champions League qualification spot. But the FA Cup, there's something about it for Leicester fans, isn't there? If they could just do it, if they could just lift that piece of silverware, I think every player that did that would be added to the list of legends. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm not saying Leicester are not going to give it their best shot, but I just think, I don't know, it's a big ask, isn't it? playing to their maximum in the Premier League, which they need to do if they're going to stay in and around the positions they are now. And then to back that up with the Europa League. Hopefully things go well. Now, listen, if things come to an abrupt end uh, on, the, on the restart of the competition, then you, know, you can spin that round and use it as a positive to focus on the FA Cup if they get through at the weekend against Stoke. But... Um, you have to sort of weigh the odds up as you go along, don't you? But it's a big ask to, to be fighting for a club like Leicester City on all three fronts. And um, they may have to prioritise to a degree. Although, why not? Why not? You know, they, they've done reasonably well in, in in most cup competitions of late, haven't they, in recent years? So uh, why not go that step further this year? It would be very nice to contemplate, that's for sure. 
Thank you very much, Matt, for your thoughts this week. Thank you very much, all you listeners as well. Uh, if you want to check out some of our stories on the Athletic website, uh, you remember you can uh, sign up now for just £3.99 a month for the first six months and enjoy an unrivaled coverage of your club, including Leicester City, in 2021. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Leicester pod. Thank you, Matt, and we'll speak to you next week. Pleasure, Rob. Rob.